Hello, everybody, and welcome to Connected Knowledge from Upland Software on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright. Today's topic is not just vital, but increasingly complex. In this constantly evolving digital landscape, telcos face the perpetual challenge of upgrading technology while simultaneously maintaining a superlative customer experience. Today's customers expect nothing short of excellence, and meeting those expectations is crucial for both customer acquisition and retention. To shed light on this topic, we have someone whose vast experience makes him the ideal person to guide us through this CX labyrinth. Alex Baker serves as Upland's ace in customer service and support. With a career spanning over a quarter of a century, Alex has worn many hats, which we hope he'll don for us today. At Upland, Alex has been instrumental in implementing the Right Answers knowledge management solution. His work has given him a unique perspective on the essential tech integrations for telcos, making him the perfect person to help us understand how to best optimize the customer experience in the telecommunication industry. Alex Baker, welcome to Connected Knowledge. Pete, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have you here and share a little bit of light on on this topic, particularly around integrations in the telco industry. But I want to start with with that topic that I hinted at in our introduction, which is that telecommunications infrastructure upgrades as do customer expectations. This is a, I don't know, horse race, chicken or the egg. What is the metaphor that best applies here? <laughs> Herding cats. Uh, Herding cats, that's fair as well, right. Yeah. So so it's, it's got to be tough to, I, I mean, these are the questions I imagine you're thinking about. How do you maintain excellence and continue to recruit and continue to retain customers? And they just expect more and more and more. It's it's difficult because you have to worry about the demands of the customer, but you also have to worry about the demands of the support center, um, the people actually managing the business, because they're real human beings too. And they have a lot of other opportunities. And if it's if you hire them into a business where it's difficult to figure out what they're supposed to do, if also one of the things I always say is nobody ever wakes up in the morning saying, you know what, I'm going to call customer support today. You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. people that call in usually don't want to have to call in. So it's, it's, uh, it's a lot like being a you know, state trooper on the highways. Everybody's glad that you're there when you need them, but nobody's ever mm-hmm. happy to see you. Um, so <laughs> right, it's, it's, right. it's a necessary job, but it, it can be stressful because people are, you know, they're, they're trying to deal with a problem or they're trying to get something changed, but nobody really wants to be calling in. And then on top of that, you know, you're, you're, you're listening to people. You're usually trying to create a, a, a ticket of some kind or a record. You're trying to look up the customer's, you know, past call history. You're trying to type in what they're saying. You're trying to listen. You're trying to get good customer service. And then if you have to search in, in five other places on top of that, while you're trying to do all those things, it, it just, it makes life very difficult. The customers notice because you put them on hold forever, you know who among us hasn't been put on hold, you know, 20 times for something that you, you think should have been a simple question. Um, just it's, it, it makes life difficult for the agents because just like you don't like waiting on hold, they don't like putting you on hold because they know you're going to come back unhappy the the longer you wait. So the, the more that we can do to try and make sure that people have access to, to everything they need without having to, to navigate multiple systems, open multiple tabs, hit multiple bookmarks, log into multiple systems, uh, the, the more clicks you have to make, the more of a nightmare it becomes for for the agents, and then they pass it on down to the customers. So th- those are really some of the things that we try to address. Well, I, I want to talk about this uh, this passage from uh, uh, Gartner uh, 
passage uh, <laughs> that I think is interesting, and it gets to some of the things you're talking about. Next Generation CX replaces this slow and reactive approach with one that is simple, predictive, and proactive in order to create genuine service, genuine service differentiation. This involves combining customer, operational, and network data to create a highly personalized, relevant experiences in real time. Highly personalized, relevant experiences in real time. Now, everything you just said highlights the real challenges that customer service agents feel. You already set the bar at very low from a customer perspective, right? We already expect the lowest of the low. It feels to me like all of these technologies and this intent is to effectively increase, what, authenticity of messages and support from service agents? Is that what we're trying to get to, to build that relationship? Well, the joke is authenticity is the coin of the realm. And as soon as you can learn to fake that, you know, life will go easy for you. Um, Ow. Ow. <laughs> but that's, oh. um, yeah, but really, I mean, people want an authentic experience, but they, they have expectations about what that authentic experience should be. I mean, people mm-hmm. don't, they don't want you to guess um, and it's very obvious if you're calling in and somebody doesn't know what they're doing. I mean, like I, I personally have had to call someone and it's very obvious the person I'll, I'll excuse myself, I'll hang up, I'll call back and hope I get someone better. And that's, yeah. that's just yeah. a nightmare experience. So, uh, I mean, just what, what can we do to, to address that? You know, just, uh, some of it is, is consistency of service, making sure that everybody has, you know, the same training and access to the same tools and, um, and also just one of the things you were kind of alluding to is, you know, just, just within organizations um, and the different parts of the organization, like from from my time when I was at AT&T, it was, it was very kind of cloistered. Net, net, network operations was their own kingdom and customer service was their own kingdom and, you know, operations was their own kingdom. And you had people that didn't want to share information with each other because you had, you know, different division managers that are empire building or different parts of the business where there's no, nobody's kind of making them talk to each other. So they were, why should I talk to this other part of the business? So just having, you know, information, having knowledge resources available where it, if, if something's down in net ops and they know about it, your customer service people know about it. So they don't spend half an hour on the phone troubleshooting something with somebody where you should have known about it from in the first 30 seconds. Those are the kinds of things that frustrate people like, Oh, there's an outage, you know, just, and I had to, sit with you and troubleshoot it for half an hour you know at the bare minimum we want to avoid angering people at a at a, at a maximum you know we want to try and actually satisfy them you know we, we're on top of things we know what's going on right away we have communication across departments um so that if, if something's known in one part of the business it's available to everybody else everybody's got access to it everybody knows how to use it and everybody kind of shares and, and contributes that's it's a lot of i think what we're trying to do I, I think you're you, you're getting to a, a really interesting point. You're talking about your experience at AT and T and the cloistered kind of approach, and it reminds me of one of my favorite episodes of that fantastic underrated show, Community, where the air conditioner repair division uh, department of the school was its own its own separate <laughs> entity, <laughs> right? I mean, you know the one I'm talking about. I know exactly about. what and you're whole, talking about. Yes. The whole point of this is in that in that farce. That's a farce for a reason, because there are units we know in the larger organizations where there is disincentive from from tying systems together. Right. There's disincentive from trying to actually make the operation uh, more smooth and more integrated. How do you when you talk about sort of best in class operations, how do you overcome that particular uh, perspective. A lot of it is having a, a strong hand in terms of leadership and, and having somebody that's willing to 
take all the divisions that need to talk to each other and say, hey, we're implementing an initiative to share knowledge across all departments. Uh, you, you're all required to do this, you know, and and I expect you all to participate enthusiastically. Um, just one of the, just bring it back to kind of the telco specifically. One of the yes, challenges please. specifically that, that I've seen is a lot of people think like, oh, Ma Bell, where, you know, somebody set up shop in a building a hundred years ago and it's just grown from there, but they don't realize that it's, it's just mergers and acquisitions and selling parts and selling, you know, selling the whole business. And I mean, if you look at a lot of telcos now, like they're just in name only, but they've been bought and sold three times. They, they've switched systems, you know, 15 different times in the last 20 years. They're constantly, you know, just uh, kind of moving from one system to another and uh, trying to maintain some type of normalcy and consistency while they're, while they're doing all of that. And that's that's a huge challenge for them. I mean, I, I personally witnessed a project where um, you know there were a ton of acquisitions, and um, the company spent you know millions and millions of dollars trying to have one system that brought everything together, and they ended up scrapping it after third, three years because they said we just can't do it fast enough to keep pace with the changes in the business. By the time we roll this out, it's already going to be obsolete. Uh, so yeah. just having having information that's kind of system agnostic where regardless of what system you know if you have a new acquisition if you get acquired um it'll still be available to whatever system you're using that's that's a big part of it is not having your your information kind of locked into one system that may become obsolete that's um that's really important significant yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a significant challenge well all right so we're going to we're going to dig into uh you know actually building a best practice kind of organization here and uh, so i wonder if we could start do you have any customer service organizations that you don't kind of cloak yourself in self-loathing for having to call is there anyone out there that you feel like this these are these guys have done it right. I feel good when I'm making these calls. Um, there, there are some customers that do it really well. Um, some, some of them are very heavily regulated industries. So people like ins- insurance. If you have to file a claim, you know, there's there's no way around it. A lot of times you could do it on an app. You can do it online. Uh, so mm-hmm. some of it is honestly generational. So you'll have older people where they're they're you know they're they're never going to use an app. They're never going to email. They're never going to use a website. They want to call and talk to somebody. And I mean, I. I'm in my 40s. I, I hesitate to call myself part of the younger generation, but I'd rather die than call somebody. Just if I, I consider it per, per, personal failure if I, if I can't figure it out on the web myself. Um, so I have this expectation that for the companies that I deal with, that they're going to make the information available to me because they appreciate that my time is valuable. And I can, you know, rather than calling and having somebody read something to me uh, from a web page, I can just read it myself from a web page and save that time of, of, of waiting on hold. Yeah, self-service, yeah. A number one. That's huge for, for me too. And I have to say I'm out of my 40s and I still deeply, deeply consider it a failure not to be able to figure it out on my own. Uh, but but that gets to like the the right flow of information, right? And yeah. that's something that we count, we, we consider it telcos, whether you have been bought and acquired or integrated from other some other, you know, source, really it's your stock and trade and how well you move information from one place to another so it, 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 uh, it really it really is and that's that really is kind of the lifeblood of not not just telcos but a lot of large industries i mean i, I don't yeah. think it's unique to them but they've definitely had a, a lot of that since you know 1984 <laughs> so so what goes into 1984 an auspicious year what goes into a a smooth implementation to to an implementation that really you're ready to crow about um i mean for for knowledge implementation specifically usually there's kind of three 
big time consuming variables to it. You have your basic parts. Like you want to make sure people understand the software, that they're trained, that they're ready to use it, that they understand that this is not a project, um, that it's a life cycle discipline. So if you're, if you're using knowledge, you know, with, with, um, with, any piece of software, usually CRMs or ITSMs, you want people to know this is something we are doing forever. It's part of our job now, especially if you're following like KCS or another knowledge discipline. Um, but the uh, as far as it just you have those basics of just making sure people know what the software is and how to use it. But the, the variables usually um, setting up a single sign-on. So if people have to actually take extra time to like go to a bookmark and log into something and type in a username and password, they're less likely to use it. So if you're already using SSO, mm -hmm. just uh, set it up so that they're automatically logged in. Um, you want to do content conversion. So a lot of times for us, especially in the knowledge management space, um, we'll talk to people and we'll say, what do you have right now? And they'll say, oh, we don't have anything in place right now. And you do. You've got stuff in people's heads. You've got stuff in, in Google Drives and, you know, in binders on people's desks and printed out and, um, you know, shared in, the, in their email and Jira tickets. Everybody's got something. So just doing some type of content conversion, whether you're taking stuff from an existing ticket system and, and putting it into a, a cohesive knowledge base that you're going to use for the whole enterprise, or if you're just kind of collecting all this, this mishmash that people have all over the place and you're putting it into a single source, um, that's, that's a big piece of it that, um, you know, nobody wants to start with an empty knowledge base. It's, it's not very attractive. I'm, I'm actively watching you wave your hands around and I'm so glad you ended with that's a big part of it because that seems like a significant part of it in, in terms of just training and development, how to do this content conversion. The moment you said you have stuff in your heads, I thought, oh my goodness, now we have to train people to write it all down well, right? Well, like, um, this is huge. Just, uh, I mean, you don't want to intimidate people with it, though. So you're, you're not going to go right. to anybody and say, everything you know, write it down. <laughs> and it's, uh, that, that's that's going to terrify people. But it's it's um, knowledge is a demand science. And for, for a lot of people, that that is if you're somebody where you want to do everything in advance and have everything ready so that the day a new service launches, okay, you know, nothing to worry about. Uh, it's, it's not for you because it, you don't know what people are going to call and ask about until they call and ask about it. Yeah. You, you know what you know, so you'll be well-prepared. You have some good ideas. Uh, but if you have legacy data and you're like, I'm not sure if anybody's ever going to ask about that or not ever again, you can just wait till they ask about it. Somebody calls in, say, okay, you know, somebody asked about it. I'm going to capture it now. I'm going to make a knowledge article. I'm going to submit it. So you, you can create things on demand. Um, and then also, if you're creating them on demand, you can create them in real time. You can use the customer's language. So you're actually capturing stuff using the language that they talk about it with. And that way, if you do decide to ultimately use self-service, um, when a self-service customer searches for something, they're going to find it in their own language. So if I write an article, if I'm a techie and I write an article called Active Directory Password Reset, um, a, a user might not even know what that is or have any idea, but they're just going to say, hey, I, I'm, I'm locked out of my, my computer. So they're going to go yeah. to your, your self-service or go on their phone and say, I am locked out of my computer. And you want, you want mm -hmm. to capture that stuff. And so if you're actually using their language to capture it as they're giving it to you, that's actually a really valuable resource that a lot of people just don't capture and they just let it, let it slip away. Okay, so I'm going to footnote a, the, the, a companion question here, which is on telcos, successful telcos who and how you deal with knowledge rot on the other side, right? And so we're going to hold that for a second oh. because I feel like 
I hijacked you uh, in your answer when talking about the steps to creating a seamless integration. So what's next after this data conversion and, and knowledge integration? Um, well, the, the third part is actually the integrations. Uh, so you, you have, you have okay. the single sign-on, you have the, the kind of the basic tr- you know, training and make sure people know how to use the software. You have the content conversion, but then you're setting up your integrations. Uh, the, the buzzword that I've, I've started hearing in probably the last like three or four years is everybody talks about the moment of need. It's um, where is your customer service agent? Where is your tech support agent? Where is your, your end user customer? Where are they? What are they doing when they need to look something up? And mm-hmm. if, if I have somebody and they're making a JIRA ticket or they're using you know, Salesforce or, you know, just, uh, or an internal tool that you have built in-house and they're making a ticket and the customer says, okay, here's my problem. They're typing that problem in. Usually like, that's where they are when they want to look up what the customer is looking for. And if you actually have to go and open a new tab and click on a bookmark and log into something and copy the thing from one tab into the other tab and click on search. And it's, you know, you're, you're like at at that point, you're probably about 20 extra clicks in and it's, it's really hard to do while you're trying to do everything else versus if you can just use the tool you're already using, you're, you're in Jira, you just click on search knowledge, it takes the subject of the case that you just already typed in, and it, it gives you the, the results from your knowledge base on the, on the other side of the screen. That's what people want. And they're more likely to use it, they're more likely to engage with it, they're more likely to have a, a high opinion of it, and, and they're more, more likely to kind of give, give feedback and potentially even c- contribute new knowledge on their own as well. Okay, well, then that gets us to this sort of two-part question. And and the first is, you know, we're talking, <laughs> the premise of our conversation is on how quickly things are changing in the industry and keeping up becomes a significant hurdle. So how do you condition your telecommunications customers around what it means to be a long-term success in a space that is changing so quickly? Part of it is just viewing knowledge management as as a discipline. And the, I mentioned before, not as a project. A lot of times you have people where they, yeah. they want to be done with it and you will, you will never be done. Uh, but you, you mentioned how do we avoid the knowledge rot. Um, yeah. just nobody wants to say, you know, I need help with Windows and you do a search and the first five pages are articles about Windows 95 and Windows XP. Nobody, NT and, yeah, right. <laughs> to avoid rot, you, you want processes built in where you're constantly reviewing things. Some things are going to get naturally reviewed. So if you have a, a process or, you know, a, a a price package or something that gets checked or updated all the time. People use it all the time. But if you have some things that you know aren't getting used on a regular basis, you want a review process built into your knowledge base where you're, you know, if something hasn't been touched in say, you know, 365 days, you want it to say, hey, I'm going to flag this for review. Um, it, it's not, it's not a no harm, no foul situation to have old or out that outdated knowledge existing in your system because yeah. some people say oh well if nobody's using it just just let it sit there what's the harm uh but if you everybody's using some kind of search and if you're searching for it if if you're getting that stuff mixed in with the stuff you're actually looking for the longer you let it sit and rot uh the more you start polluting your search results with stuff that's old or outdated or incorrect so we, we really do have to stay on top of it um having a reuse is review mindset which is like part of the kcs philosophy is good but also having system tools in place where it's okay if nobody's touched this next number of days we're going to automatically put it into a review queue or somebody's got to review it you want those system tools in place as well because those things don't happen organically it's very cool uh so let's talk then a little bit more specifically about the products you work on so upland's right answers and uh working with telcos on third-party integrations tell us a little bit about that so um right answers is a what our marketing team calls a a 
platform agnostic knowledge management platform. So um, even if you're using multiple, we have customers using multiple ticketing systems, using us via API, going directly to our user interface, whether it's for their support agents or for self-service customers. It, it's a tool where you can use it standalone, you can use it integrated, or you can use it both. Um, we've got people using it on site if they have um, severe security restrictions or um, governmental restrictions. People use it in the cloud. Um, but it's it's a tool that's been around for a long time. I personally have been there for 10 years, and some people still think I'm the new guy. Um, so uh, we've got a lot of really tenured folks who who not just understand kind of this, that software is software. Um, it just, it's, it sits there, but you have to use it and understand it. And, and honestly, you have to care about it. Um, uh, Greg Oxton, who was the head of the Consortium for Service Innovation for a long time, always said that uh, knowledge is a volunteer activity. And you can't, you can't, you know, it's, you can't make a horse drink. You can lead it to water. That's, that's knowledge. You know, you, you, we're very fortunate in a lot of our customers and our prospective customers care about the work that they do. Um, they care about, you know, making a better customer experience, making a better agent experience. Um, those are the things that help get me up every day and, uh, and, and kind of keep me going, uh, with, with, with right answers. And we have a lot of, amazing features you know we're working now on doing uh, generative ai where it, it writes knowledge articles for you it edits them for you it summarizes them for you uh there's really great like multilingual and uh uh translation capabilities because we have a lot of customers where you know if you're uh, some people you know they have uh, presence in, in almost every continent except antarctica so uh, you, you've got folks that <laughs> use it for all kinds all kinds of different things and uh it's you know who, who doesn't want to buy the world code <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Can I can I ask you a, 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 a little bit out of line question? I'm I'm curious. You you mentioned generative AI. What is your perspective on generative AI in the call center? Do you? I mean, you you talk about how it is managing uh, content. And I feel like you know flagging and and fixing content rot uh, is is likely going to be central to that. What's your What's your general worldview when it comes to this material? It, it's going to change in the next probably. Five years. In the next five years, I think five years from now, almost any call center you call, you're going to be talking to a bot that's using generative AI to try and answer your questions. And then it just similar to chat bots right now, where it'll chat with you, it'll mm -hmm. try and solve the most common questions, and then it'll dump you to a live agent if it can't answer your question. You're going to see the same thing with generative AI. Um, the challenge with generative AI is so much of it is controlled by by third parties right now that you're putting a lot of faith in them. That you know, if if, if you're a large company and you're going to hand your the reins to to speak to your customers over to to open AI um, and, and you don't control them you don't have their data set you know you, you and people always have those those fringe cases where you know somebody asks it a question and it says you know help me I'm a robot I don't want to be here anymore get yeah. out of here right. uh, so it's I, and I've seen that where it's not quite ready for prime time as far as putting it directly user facing um, or at least not from what I've seen. So that's one of our initial focuses has been using it for kind of content generation, summarization, creation, editing, translation, where you can you can use it as a time-saving tool for authoring and creating the content, um, but not necessarily for interacting directly with end users. It it will get there. Um, you know, it'll, I'm, I'm sure, you know, we'll all be working for it one day. <laughs> Dare to dream, right? More vacation time. That's, Hopefully, uh, yeah. Is that, is, that our, is that our utopian future? I, I for, uh, I for one, here. welcome our new AI overlords. AI <laughs> overlords. All right, Alex. Uh, thank you so much for, for taking that question on. And, and I so appreciate you uh, hanging out with me today. Where do you want to send people to learn a little bit more about Right Answers and our, and our uh, telco integrations in particular? Um, UplandSoftware.com website. I mean, Upland's actually a huge yeah. company, but uh, just uh, go on the Upland Software 
software.com website, look for right answers and, um, you know, just feel free to reach out to us. If you want to see a demo, if you want to ask questions, um, I am happy to talk knowledge with anybody at any time, you know, just regardless of whether they want to buy our software or not. You could, it's knowledge management is a community. You can never have too many friends. The people that do it care about it. Um, I still talk to people from years ago where like, I just, just know them from the industry, trade shows, former customers, current customers, people that move jobs from one job to another um, and, you know, brought us with them. So just, uh, just don't be afraid to reach out. We're nice people. <laughs> We're nice people. That's it. But you get the mic drop, Alex. Uh, we are nice people at Upland. Absolutely fantastic. And swipe up in your show notes. You're going to get some uh, all, a few more detailed links that we've got uh, in the uh, in the list there and the, the resources. We so appreciate you all for downloading and listening to this show. Thanks for your time and your attention. We would love to hear what you think. Just swipe up again in your show notes and you'll see this feedback link where you can send the show a question. You have a, sh a question for Alex? I don't care when it is. We'll get that question to Alex and he'll answer it. We'll talk about it on a future show. Uh, we would love to hear more from you. So on behalf of Alex Baker, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next week on Connected Knowledge. <laughs>